and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Hello, friends, and welcome. Episode 15 of Tim McAuliffe and Friends of the Show. We couldn't afford to get that on a graphic. Live on the Sportsnet family of channels and anytime on Sportsnet Now, I'm Tim McAuliffe, and you are the friends part. You can get at us through digital producer Jesse Rubinoff anytime, 24-7, on Twitter and Instagram. You don't mind me volunteering that, do you, Jesse? All right, awesome. If you ever miss a show or are bored, just whisper the sweet nothing, Tim and Friends, into your Rogers Ignite remote. And I'm there for you, on demand. You know what I'm talking about. There's also a great on-demand setup for Sportsnet now. Got it, Gooden, since you understood. Just 90 minutes today as the Jays and Phillies take over the radio and television airwaves at 6.30 Eastern. So the festivities will be limited to 90 minutes today A Friends of the Show Friday, which includes Sammy Cosentino, Shane Wright, Kevin Bieksa in the first hour, final 30 minutes, Ryan Leslie, Kevin Millar, and Raptors general manager Bobby Webster, who will join us just after 6 p.m. Eastern and just 24 hours after, or a little after 24 hours, after the Raptors dealt Norm Powell, Terrence Davis, and Matt Thomas, but held on to the groat. Kyle Lowry, for those who missed my reaction on deadline day, you can see it on our Twitter account. You can search up Tim and Friends on YouTube, or you can scan the QR code. If you are watching on TV right now, we fancy, huh? The Raptors added Gary Trent Jr., Rodney Hood, and a pair of second-round picks. We'll ask the general manager just how close they came to dealing Kyle Lowry, and then we'll see if we get an answer. The next question in Raptors land, of course, centers around President Masai Ujiri and his expiring content or contract in English. From Michael Grange's piece in Sportsnet.ca, for the moment, the Raptors uh, remain. Sorry, let me try that one more time. I'm having a little bit of a problem today. You know what I'm talking about? All right, for the moment, the Raptors, uh, he remains a Raptors team president. That's because Masai Ujiri was asked about his future in the post-deadline news conference. And in essence, there's still not much to go on here. We'll visit this at the end of the season at some point. This is my job. I'm a Raptor. This is, um, love this team, love everything about this organization, you know, and uh, we, will, we will visit at the end of the season. And um, I think that's fair on... Uh, on 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 every side, it doesn't matter what happens. Raptors is inside here. Yeah, it's in the blood. Uh, this is this is what we live. This is what we do. You know, and I love doing it. I love it to death. Hmm, that's interesting. By the way, the quote from the Sportsnet.ca article was: "For the moment, the Raptors remain Kyle Lowry's team and Masai Ujiri's organization." Got it good in the sense you understood. So after the chaos of the last couple weeks, Raptor fans aren't guaranteed that they won't lose Lowry and Ujiri at the end of the season. Aren't guaranteed they will either. General Manager Bobby Webster just after 6 p.m. Eastern right here on Sportsnet. The entire team 
on the floor. Coverage starts 7 p.m. Eastern. Brad Fay and the Raptors Central crew, the second place Suns in Tampa to tangle with Toronto. And speaking of Toronto, the Leafs beat the Suns 3 2 in overtime last night. Austin Matthews with the greatest solo effort I've ever seen on a second assist. As Mitch Marner picked up the loose puck, got it to Justin Hole. There's your game winner, kids. And we saw what I believe to be the first fallout of the post-Tim Peel era. Not sure if you saw this. Wayne Simmons, uh, there was a part where he was tripped up, no call. So he goes over to discuss it with the officials, Eric Furlat and Brad Meyer. Furlat covers his mic and immediately gives Simmons the move it along. Now remember... Simmons, a vet of over 900 games in the show. Furlat, a vet of something like 1,400 games. And it's the old cover the mic and move it along. Now, to be fair, there was a little chat after the move it along. But I wonder if this is the start of something. Like NHL players are going to have to get used to the refs not having the conversation anymore. Out of fear. We'll talk to Kevin Bieksa and Sam Cosentino about it because I think that's just the start of it. Imagine, a guy had the conversation, he got fired, next guy up, covers the old mic, move it along. We'll do all that in a flash. But, first things first. First things first. first. 24 hours after the chaos of the NBA deadline, the focus shifts to hockey and while big-time big time names like Victor Oladipo and Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon moved, Kyle Lowry was shopped around, I was ready to announce that we were, weren't going to see the same kind of star power in the rumors leading up to the NHL deadline. But we did get a deal today, and it was involving a six-time All-Star as the Montreal Canadiens picked up Eric Stahl from the Sabres for a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick in this year's draft. Stahl is in the final year of his contract after being an all-star last year, but the Sabres retained half of his $3.25 million contract to make the deal work. He is 36. He only has three goals, though nobody is scoring for the Buffalo Sabres, and 10 points in 32 games with the Sabres this season. The question is, will Stahl be the biggest name to be traded ahead of the deadline? A quick look at the Tim and Friends Big Barter Board. That's what we call our thing. It's a big barter board. Matthias Ekholm at top. Solid D-man. Michael Granlin. Okay, how many goals he's got this year? Sorry, what's that? Five? F- Nick Felino though. Toughness, goals. Oh, he's got five too. Hey, anyone else on Buffalo want to go anywhere? Yeah, for sure. All right, sorry. Let's give context here. Context is important, but even with the Zoom delay, Taylor Hall wanting out was pretty good. With the way things are going, if Kevin came up to you and said someone's interested in you, would you be willing to listen? Yeah, for sure. Hey, Edmonton, you want Hall for Larson now? Because you could get it if you want it. Even with the shift in the quarantine time from the Canadian government from 14 days to seven days, in an attempt to bail out both networks' massive trade deadline coverage, even though most of it's broken on Twitter anyway, I digress. It doesn't seem like there are big fish in this pool. 
Kyle Palmieri, leading goal scorer who might be on the block. Is it Ryan Dezingle with seven goals this year? A 33-year-old Bobby Ryan? Maybe Brandon Sutter. And I know what you're thinking. Who are the Blake Coleman's or the Barkley Goodrows that Tampa had to shell out for and help push the bolts over the top? But if you look at previous cup winners, it's not always the big catch at the deadline. It's not always murderer's row or that big swing that gets it done. 2019, Blues got Michael Delzato. 2018, Caps, Kempney, and Yarabak. The back-to-back Penguins, Ron Hainsey, Mark Strait, Frankie Corrado, and Justin Schultz. So maybe those defensemen near the top of the big board are there for a reason. So as much as I'm jealous that the hockey department spends my entire yearly budget on one day, it appears as though it is important after all, even if it's not the big name, your team can definitely improve itself on deadline day. There are a few things to talk about from first things first, but I want to get to my first friend. And I know some folks think that Tim and Friends is just some silly manufactured name in order to keep the graphics department from having to do too much work. And they would be kind of right. A lot of these folks, though, that are rolling through are my friends, including the first one of today. Not only did he once get me Harry Callis autograph on an Expos score sheet, (laughs) Because he knew I grew up on NFL films, but in the 20 or so years since we've gone from Croc Rock to Indian Motorcycle and a few drinks along the way to taking our little guys out to get some swings at the cage together. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Sammy Cosentino. Yes. Sammy, thank you for being a friend, buddy. I was waiting for that. I'm ready to go home now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. Shut her down. (laughs) It's over. Man, I'm so happy for you. Which part? Getting rid of Sid. <laughs> you, you knew Sid well enough because we've spent those last 20 years together. He trained me. <laughs> Did he when train I you? showed up at the score, yeah. he trained me in one of the edit suites where we had a ton of fun. And I know it's a little bit of old home week for you. Yeah. You saw Cab on and Adnan. I think Seaball was on and yeah. a little bit of old home week. But that's what it was with Sid. Back in that day, yeah. the first day I walked in there in 99, he trained me in an edit suite on what to do, how to cut highlights, how to voice them. Scripts, so on and so forth. So Sid, That's the younger awesome. guy, trained the old guy. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, do you remember the Harry Callis story? Rest in peace, by the way. Do uh, you know that you did that for me? I, d- I did know okay. that I did that to you. Do I remember how it all came together? No. no. But you know, it's funny because when I worked in the, in the Blue Jays Clubhouse, all the time I was getting asked for autographs. Yeah. And there were a couple of special events that we did. And I remember my cousin, uh, Mikey, that you know pretty well. He's yeah. a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. Green Bay and Dallas played in 97 at the Dome mm-hmm. in, a, in a preseason game or something like that or some sort of special game. And I made sure that he got a, an autographed Dallas, Dallas ball. I think it was Bill Bates was this guy. Right. And so Billy Bates, yeah. Yeah, forever, forever indebted. Nice. And that was the same time Brett Favre was in there eating McDonald's. Remember they used to have McDonald's at the Dome. <laughs> he, was, he was just mowing down McDonald's. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So I got him to sign. That was a big Brett Favre fan at the time, signed a helmet for me and a ball. And so I still keep those. But you – it was amazing how many people would, would approach you about, hey, get this sign, get that yeah, sign. Yeah. And you want to know the other thing is, is kind of get, taking you on the inside a little bit. For when those worked, who don't know, Sammy used to work at 
the, the Jays yeah. clubhouse. Used to play some ball. Yeah. And then worked in the Jays clubhouse. So you had access to a few people rolling through when they would go through the Rogers Center. Yeah, it was, it, it was crazy. But to take you a little bit on the inside, yeah. a lot of visiting players, when they would come, would ask for autographs of players from the home side and yeah. work vice versa. So a lot of times you'd be running back and forth with bats or balls or whatever else. Yeah. And, hey, can you get me Frank Robinson's autograph, yeah. you know, or whoever back and forth. So I did a lot of that. So there was a hundred hundreds and hundreds of requests that right. were fulfilled through at that time. But I, like you, uh, you know, Vince Scully, Harry Callis, some of the, the famous broadcasters, uh, Ernie Harwell was, uh, you know, I was a big fan of his in Detroit. So was able to collect some of those things along the way myself. By the way, Sam's not that old. Frank Robinson wasn't <laughs> playing at the time. He was, <laughs> he, he was a manager. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, 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 I'm going to tell you the story because you did it so much that you don't remember it, but I, you just knew I was a Harry Callis guy and you were calling Expos games. Yeah. And uh, the Phillies were the opposing team, and Harry Callis was calling the games for the Phillies. And I got – you came home from a trip, and you go, here. And you just handed me – it was an Expo score sheet. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And you go, look inside, and it was an autograph from Harry Callis. Yeah. And I was like a huge – still am. I, was grow, I grew up on NFL films. Uh-huh. And so you brought me this Harry Callis thing. I'm like, hey, yeah, Sammy right. Cos. Big time. A couple we trips to-, to Montreal for the Expos that year. Yeah. We did a lot of them from studio, though. I mean, we were doing stuff in studio yeah. long before that was ever even thought of. Yeah. Uh, Jay Sands is whispering in my ear, who used to work with us back in the yeah. day, <laughs> saying, I think that was the last game. That was the last Expos game, right? No, Where, in the, the Phillies well, at home? No, the last game was against Florida. Um, really? Yeah. The, the second mind. last home series was, was, was Philadelphia. The last, yeah. And right. that was that game was crazy, man. People were throwing golf balls on the field. Yeah, I felt bad for the fans. Like, you know, you they hear they're stealing their team. They're stealing their team, and yeah. they literally stole their team. Yeah. Literally stole their team. Yeah, and they were acting like it. Oh man. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was hostile, man. Ryan Payton, you remember Payton? Yeah. You don't wrestle around in Montreal. No. <laughs> like, like, you're stealing their baseball yeah, team. You, you don't know, mess around in Montreal. No, that's messing with Yuppie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I know you watch now, and we're talking about baseball, but I know you watch as much hockey as anyone on planet Earth. Did you see the what I felt was the Tim Peel fallout oh, yeah. with Wayne Simmons and Yes, I did. Did you did you think it was the same thing where like we're gonna see this more often where guys are covering up the mic and saying I'm not having this conversation with you. For sure. So on one part, it might be good for the refs because they're going to get chirped a lot less, and they're just going to say move on. But when you take away some of the human element of the game, that, that's the problem. Every yeah. game that we're, we're looking at now, you know, analytics, you look at the shift, we're taking so much of the human element away from all of these games. Some of the best part of what happens are what happens in these situations and these conversations. And you don't feel as a referee that you're comfortable in having those conversations now because there's been a lot of turnover and a lot of younger guys. They don't want to lose their job. Tim Peel, you know, on the fortunate side of things in his last year before retirement, so it was kind of easy to get rid of him. But some of these younger guys, man, oh, man, you don't want to see that happen. But I, I just hate taking away the human element away from things. I don't know what Simmons said to God because he chuckled. Like, yeah. in the conversation, it was immediately Mike's on, yeah. move it along. And then I guess Simmons, being the vet that he is, is able to kind of somehow figure out what the situation is. Oh, yeah. And then gets Furlat <laughs> to chuckle a little bit, and it becomes a conversation. But you – and listen, maybe I'm stretching here, and we can ask Bieksa, who's been in the league. Like, I feel like those conversations are huge. They're important. Because there's a it, – it's a negotiation. It's a give and take. You oh, have yeah. to have some sort of feel like – 
perhaps you're going to get a call that was missed because of a mistake that humans make. It's a hard game to officiate. All oh games gosh. are hard to officiate. And, and you think about all the rule changes in hockey since going back to 2004 and how much we've tasked these guys with yeah. to the point where you've had to add the extra referee. And it's still at the speed it's moving now because we've lost all of that you know, hooking and those types of infractions. I mean, my goodness, you're asking these guys to call races in the middle of play and, 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 you know, what's icing and what's not and who's touching and who's not. Did that puck get tipped? Did it not? Who flicked in the stands? Did it go off a stand? There's a lot that these guys are tasked with doing. So to be able to have that human element and manage the game, it's, it's huge. And I can tell you in some Memorial cups that I've called, we, we tried to do something where we had the interaction between the replay booth and the on ice officials. Yeah. And that worked maybe once and that was it because those guys need to have the ability to have those conversations right. and as great as it was through that memorial cup for us to hear those things no one wanted there are to some things that just probably shouldn't be here right be heard but the what do we always want as fans what it's great to watch the game it's great to get the analysis but you want the behind the scenes yeah you want the behind the scenes i'll give you a quick story darren fletcher used to catch for the blue jays when i worked there yeah he used to have conversations with the home plate umpire about anything from home renovations to families. Oh, yeah, while well, batters are coming up. Yeah. So, yeah, what are you going to do with this tap, man? I got this tap at home. It's stuck. What do I do with it? And this is the type of stuff that yeah. would happen. I'd love to be able to hear that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's not meant for us as viewers. not. Right, right. And if, and if you ever heard it, it would change remarkably. And that's... Oh, yeah. And that's what... I feel like we're on the edge of that right now. And if I'm, you know, Eric Furlat in that spot... I'm thinking the exact same oh, yeah. thing. A guy just got fired for telling the truth yep. to a bench. I'm not putting myself at risk. Right. What's the impetus of all this? In some of the non-traditional markets, the referees were there to give you the hand signal and the call so that you could understand right. maybe what's a trip or a hook or a slasher <laughs> in some of the non-traditional markets. Right. Also for TV, hey, it's and a Wes little Macaulay. bit behind the scenes. Yeah. And Wes McCauley, <laughs> yeah. my old so, teammate from St. Mike's, by the way. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so th that that's the impetus for all this. Might not be necessary anymore. Uh, I do know that the uh, NHL announced that the draft will be done virtually again. How tough is this draft going to be for scouts, for GMs? Like, is your phone ringing off the hook with... I mean, they've got to do due diligence on oh. players that some of them in the OHL haven't even played yet this year. Yeah, and that's been problematic. Some of the, the, the higher-end players, the first-round guys, were yeah. able to get over and play overseas and, and be able to play a little bit. you got the under-18s coming up, so that's going to be huge. Uh, but that's only for the 03s, so your late 02s aren't eligible to play in that event. They're going to miss out on that event. But it's been really difficult. Guys are sick and tired of watching video, sick and tired of having Zoom meetings, um, and, and it's it's, it's extremely challenging. And part of it, Tim, is the context. When you're watching a guy play in the Finnish under-20 league, yeah. if I'm watching a guy in the CHL... Which I do all the time. Which you do all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, why, why wouldn't yeah, you? I'm always watching Finnish <laughs> under-20. <laughs> in the CHL, I have a good context that this team is good. I know who this player right. is, the matchup, so on and so forth. When you're right. watching video, as you're still getting that Blair Witch footage a lot of times, so you're yeah. trying to figure out who the guy is and what S number he is. Sony Handicam. Sony Handicam. Yeah. And then you got to try and put in context who he's playing against. Right. And that's, that's been extremely challenging for a lot of guys. Understood. Um, our next guest isn't draft eligible, but he hasn't played a heck of a lot this year. I think if he was draft eligible, he might be looked the bleep out even in this year. All right. Uh, only a 90-minute show across the board today as the Jays and Phillies hit the air. 6.30 Eastern, Sportsnet TV and radio. 
jam-packed show, though. Still to come. Raptors GM Bobby Webster on the deadline moves. Kevin Millar to talk Jays and MLB with opening day just six days away. Kevin Bieksa on the NHL. And up next, exceptional hockey prospect. Literally, Shane Wright. Lookout weekend. Here we come. It's that Friday feeling on Tim and Friends. Sammy laughs because he knows the song. Salary pass. They score. Justin Hall of all people are going to win it for the Maple Leafs in overtime. Good movement by the Ranger. Zibanejad scores. It's a hat trick. Zibanejad with another six-point game. Has a chance to serve from there. And he sends it in. It's a good ball. Oh, it's a goal for Canada. Derek Cornelius, the captain, opens the scoring for the Canadians. The Raptors are going to stand down and keep Kyle Lowry for at least the rest of this season. So there's Alvin. <laughs> I know. You guys want that dad's farewell story, huh? Sorry. We have no, to postpone that. All those stories, you have to postpone it now. Just try not to, you know, put any added pressure myself. No extra added expectations. Just kind of go out and play my game. Shane Wright is a big part of the turnaround for the Kingston Frontenacs. You talk about exceptional player status. And, you know, it was Connor McDavid who jumped off the page with his dynamic play. It was John Tavares who jumped off the page with his point totals. This guy, he's the all-around guy. Wright on the far side, trying to take that to the net, and he scores. Shane Wright, what an effort. Right across the blue line. Shot scores. Shane Wright. Oh. Shot off the post and in. He scores. Shane Wright does it again. He keeps producing for the front banks. This is a situation where he's just ahead of his time as far as growth, physically and mentally, and he's going to be a special hockey player. It seems like a while that we've been talking about Shane Wright of the Kingston Frontenacs, a minor hockey phenom in his days with the Don Mills Flyers. He scored 150 points in 72 games while leading the Flyers to the OHL Cup, earning tournament honors as the MVP along the way. As the only 2004-born player on a roster full of 03s, right, captain Team Ontario in the 2019 Canada Winter Games, putting up a whopping 12 points in just six games. He fell one goal short of the Magic 40-goal mark in his 15-year-old rookie campaign with Kingston, yet his 66 points were good enough to earn him CHL Rookie of the Year honors. With the pandemic getting in the way of what was likely to be a season to remember for Wright, he had instead had to settle for the disappointment of being cut from Canada's World Junior team after a couple of quarantines. And yeah. inspired by that incident, he's been working on every aspect of his game in anticipation of some semblance of an OHL season. They're still waiting on that to happen and potentially a spot on Canada's World Under-18 team which is set to take place in Plano and Frisco, Texas, beginning the 25th of April. Still a year away from his NHL draft year, right? Like every other OHLer, eager, eagerly awaiting to get back out on the ice. And uh, Shane joins us now from Burlington, Ontario. Shane, man, it's good to see you. I wish I were seeing you in a Kingston Frontenacs uniform. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on there, guys. Uh, yeah, I just wish I was in Kingston as well right now playing. But uh, yeah, just trying to make the most of uh, what I'm doing right now here at home. As Sam knows, I'm very wary of putting too much pressure on young players. I, I remember cautioning folks about putting too much pressure on Connor McDavid in his rookie year in the show, <laughs> and he ended up putting up a point a game. D do you feel that pressure, and is it something that you've had to learn to deal with? Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, growing up and playing up in age, I feel like you know I've, 
I've been, you know, I've had that pressure on me throughout my entire life. So um, obviously it's a bit bigger stage in the OHL with, uh, you know, a lot of older players and, uh, you know, such high intensity of play. So I uh, definitely felt a little bit of pressure at the start, but, uh, you know, after a few games, uh, you know, I felt comfortable. I felt like, you know, I belonged there in, the, in that, um, you know, I belonged in this league and I can make a difference. So um, definitely at the start, a little, uh, little nervousness, but uh, after a while, I felt like, you know, I had all the confidence in the world. Well, it's funny because your splits indicate that. I mean, you look at your second half of the final 23 games, put up 34 points. And, you know, I was talking to Andre Tourigny, made mention of Shane Wright and being invited to Canada's World Junior Camp. And he said, well, the cool thing for me was just watching it from the start of the year. Coaching in Ottawa, I was able to see Shane play throughout the course of the season and watch him grow as a player to the point where you definitely earn that honor. But I want to talk about that experience a little bit because there's no player who's at the top of his game, Shane, that doesn't go through a little bit of adversity. And I think about the adversity of what happened at Canada's World Junior Camp when you go there you have to quarantine a couple of times you come out of the quarantine and then you then you get sent home what did you take from that experience and how has that inspired you and what you've done from that time to now yeah I think for me it was just uh it was pretty cool seeing uh you know the guys the best players at this age group just competing against them every single day um you know seeing their habits on a, on a daily basis and just seeing how how they go through uh you know game preparation practice whatever it may be um you know, I was lucky enough to have Bowen Byram, um, Colorado, as my roommate. Um, he was a you know huge guy that you know I really looked up to and really uh, you know wanted to model after because you know he's a leader. He did everything right. Um, you know his work ethic was second to none. Um, and it was just really really interesting for me to see um, what's what it takes and and uh, you know the level of play it's going to be at the next level because those guys are are where I want to be in the future. So um, I'm just you know really looking forward to it and. Uh, just trying to get there as soon as possible. So when the OHL season ends last year to now, I mean, you're basically a year without a game. Are you just itching to get back on the ice and compete in an actual game? Yeah, yeah, I am. I mean, uh, trying to do as many uh, little games as I can during uh, during practices and stuff, but um, there's nothing like playing an actual game. And uh, um, obviously, you know, like you said, I haven't played a game in over a year. Um, and it sucks for me uh, being you know, a really competitive guy I love playing. I love competing. So um, it's it's killing me being off the ice and uh, not being able to play for this long. Now you look at the graphic here and you see Connor Bedard. He's had the opportunity to play. I know you guys have, have shared a couple of moments together, but when you look at that list and your name mentioned in the middle of that list, what does that make you feel like? And, and you know, have you had the opportunity to check in on, on Connor and what he's done so far in Regina? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's it's an, an incredible list of, you know, unbelievable players. Um and just to have my my name a part of that is is unbelievable, um, and you know we see what the futures and you see the careers those guys have had, and um, it's just unbelievable to have my name, you know, in that conversation. Um, and obviously, you know, Connor's been been playing so well at the start of the year. He's um, definitely um, you know deserving of the exceptional status, and he's fitting right into that league. So, um, you know, really excited to see what his future looks like as well. I asked a couple people about your game, and they tell me the kid does everything, in it, and it's not cheating for offense. Like, yeah. it's offense, it's defense, and that you bring it every single game. Is that what you're trying to do, and, and where does that come from? Because I've seen a lot of stars at your age just kind of hang out by the blue line. <laughs> Be okay with it. Start out on the break yeah. a little too early. Like, where, where does that come from for you? I think um, just always been kind of the way I play the game, Um I've always, you know, obviously I enjoy scoring goals and getting those points, but uh, I feel like, you know, where the important, the most important part of the game is in your own end, the D zone. Um, 
I think that's how you win games. That's how you win championships. So, um, you know, I've over the years taught myself to, you know, be strong defensively because, you know, I want to be put in those situations, um, you know, maybe late in the game when you protect the lead or, um, you know, whatever it may be. Um, I, you know, I want to play in those, those big game situations. Um, and you want know, to, I want to be trusted by my coaches to, to go out there and, and protect a lead or, or score a goal for my team. Is there a player or a couple of players that you really like to watch or even pattern your game after? Yeah, there's a few guys. Uh, I like Matt Barzal and the Islanders. Um, he's, you know, he's such a smart player. He, he thinks a game at such a high level, makes his teammates better. And, you know, he's a really fun guy to watch. And then, uh, growing up, I was always a huge Sidney Crosby fan. Um, you know, Olympic gold medals, Stanley cups, you name it, he's won it. Um, he's a, such a good leader. He's, he's a role model and, you know, he makes his teammates better. And, uh, he's a guy that, you know, I really, really look up to and I really love watching and, uh, just try to model myself after as well. A little bit more of an NHL connection. Your head coach, whenever you start play, will be Paul McFarlane with his coaching experience in the National Hockey League. What's it been like getting to know Paul, I guess, through through Zoom to this point, and what are your expectations of of you and him uh, gelling together with Kingston? Yeah, I mean, Paul is is such a such a good coach. You can tell he's such, you know, has such intelligence for the game, and um, he's really intense, and he wants to win. He wants to win now, um, and I think that that really goes along well with, with my attitude and the way I think um, I'm a really competitive person. I like to win as well. Um, and, you know, I think Paul is going to be a really good coach for us. And I think he's really going to help us out in Kingston. And, uh, you know, I'm just looking forward to uh, getting going under him. I got a few good friends in the league and one of them told me that um, your teammates in Kingston said that you needed to be a part of the leadership group and you ended up with an assistant captain on the jersey at that age at 15 what did it mean to you to get that a yeah i mean obviously it's it's such a huge honor um to be you know named assistant captain uh you know i feel like you know wherever i go um i always try to be a leader i always try to lead by example um my work ethic and you know try to speak out as well um you know you don't really need an a or a c in your jersey to be a leader i don't think it's necessary i think anybody could be a leader um but you know just to get that recognition for my teammates and get that recognition from my coaches was uh, was a huge honor, and it really, um, you know, really boosted my confidence as well. Yeah, awesome, Shane. That's listen, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to, to join Tim and I. Can't wait to get to, to see you back out in the ice. Maybe with Canada at the under 18s might be the the next yeah. opportunity to do so. But uh, all the best, man. You're talking to, to one of the great ones. Yeah, thanks, Shane. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on today. Appreciate it. There is uh, Shane Wright of the Kingston Frontenacs, maybe Canada's World Under 18 squad, and you got to think, like, he shows up at that game. The two quarantines yeah, for Canada <laughs> and then having to go home yeah. because of uh, being cut from the team, like, he's just got to be itching to go. Like, I feel sorry for the rest of the under-18s oh, that show up. Look out. Yeah. I mean, if the OHL were playing, he'd, he'd have tore it right up. And so hopefully that still comes to fruition. But, yeah, the under-18s, look out. Right, and that's part of the equation. Maybe I should explain it a little better. The OHL is the only league that hasn't seen any action mm-hmm. this year. WHL has played in bubbles. Q QMJHL has played all throughout the United States. They're playing. So, you know, there's a few guys in the OHL who haven't gotten to the ice that you know are just raring to go. Yeah, it's been a real challenge. And they're just trying to figure out how to do it, working with the Ontario government. You obviously got to keep everybody safe. Things have been a little bit slower here than maybe around the rest of the country and a little bit more cautious. And who knows, maybe that's a good thing. Uh, Jesse, I know uh, our digital producer, Jesse Rubinoff, I know there have been some tweets while we were talking to, to young Shane Wright. Well, first of all, he's 17 years oh, yeah. old. Like, Crazy. The maturity Crazy. level and those answers, like you guys are 
peppering him with questions, yeah. and he's just. I was I was a little nervous. I'm gonna be honest here. I'll pull, I'll pull the I'll pull the curtain back. I don't like putting kids on TV because I feel like they can't handle it. And even in the commercial break, he could handle it. Oh yeah. And Sammy told me like, don't worry, he'll be okay. And like, he he was okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, you guys were talking about the NHL draft a little bit earlier. I think yep. we know eventually where. Shane Wright might be going in that NHL draft, but uh, Ryan Moynes, producer of Sportsnet Central, he tweeted in and wanted to know, uh, is there anything that prevents NHL draft hopefuls from holding a pro day the way they do mm-hmm. in the NFL? And since we have Sammy Cause in here, yeah. pretty good guy to ask. Uh, to my knowledge, there there isn't, but in a normal season, that's not really a necessary option uh, because you've seen in so many games, you're seen in tournaments, and what teams – started to do, going back to Mike Fuda, actually, yeah. is he started to scout the underage year, the 16-year-old year. So you would have had a book on, on a guy that was huge. Now, right. if the pandemic continues or whatever, and we go through this, this third wave and they have to stay off the ice for next year, then there's going to have to be some sort of um, you know, semblance of being able to have that. Uh, but it's never been needed to this point. So it's a great question, something that's still, be, still to be answered. It's not going to happen this year for the 2021s. And for Shane, he should get his under-18s in a full year next yeah. year to prepare for his draft a year in 2022. Knock on it. Knock, knocking on the bleeping wood line. right now. All right, uh, <laughs> stick around for one more. Oh, yeah. All right, uh, Sammy Cos is going to stick around. Still to come, I'll talk to uh, Raptors GM Bobby Webster on the Raptors deadline and Lowry stand. But up next, we keep the hot talk going. Kevin Bieksa joining the mix. Are the Canucks in flames in hot water? And what did he make of the Tim Peel situation? We'll ask him next. Tim and friends, Sportsnet. Time now for Inside the Lions, brought to you by Sports Interaction Canada's Odds Maker 19 Plus. Please play responsibly. Four games in the NHL tonight after one postponement. Let's look at the lines. Capitals minus 218. 218. That's rather specific. They're minus 218 at home to the Devils. The Ducks plus 170 on the road in St. Louis. Sharks and Coyotes hook up on the front end of back-to-back. Coyotes slight minus 115 favorites at home. And a coin flip in Calgary tonight as the Jets and Flames are both minus 110 over and under at 5.5. Tim and Friends includes Sammy Cosentino. And now our next guest, Hockey Night in Canada, Big Shot. Kevin Bieksa joins us now. Welcome back to the show, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. I, I sensed a little bit of sarcasm in that big shot comment right there. I don't know if it was sarcasm or jealousy, to be honest with you. It was sarcasm, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, I heard this rumor that you finished one of those Hockey Night in Canada uh, shifts and you drove from Toronto to California a couple months back. One, is that true? Two, how long did it take you? Yeah, it is true. And um, I left my, or sorry, I sent my family back to California because school was starting early January and we were home for Christmas. And uh, the plan was for them to go back and then I was going to meet up with them eventually. I just wanted to start the season in studio and, you know, get a couple good rips at Elliot and David Amber before (laughs) I came back. Right. I did, I did drive. I had my dog with me, and uh, we drove. We took our time. We made a few stops. I kind of stopped in on a couple friends I haven't seen in, in a few years, but I wanted to go through some states that I've never been to before, 
And most people don't like that kind of thing, but I, I loved it. I stayed a night in Arkansas. I don't know if either of you have ever been to Arkansas. Nope. nope. Not sure why you would. <laughs> no hockey in Arkansas. Hey, Sammy? Well, just to wear, just to go without a mask, maybe. <laughs> so, I, I, nice long trip. Took my time with my dog. A lot of state park hikes, and oh, nice. we made our way back. So, it wasn't for a tea time then? No, I, but I, I actually had a tea time yesterday. That, uh, nice. Missed. Now it's but, jealousy. Uh, the weather, yeah. the weather's great here. Yeah, I, I apologize, but <laughs> yeah. the weather's seventy and sunny every day. Right, right, right. Um, Sammy and I were talking about the Tim Peel fallout, and I don't know if this is Tim Peel fallout or this is just uh, a, an official minding his p's and q's with a microphone on. But last night, Wayne Simmons uh, felt like he got tripped, and he went over to Eric Furlat, and Eric Furlat grabbed his collar as if he were covering a mic on his chest and gave Simmons the old move it along. Um, did you see, like, I thought, I don't know if it was like an F you, I'm not talking on this mic. Simmons got him chuckling, so they ended up having a conversation. Am I, am I looking too far into this? What's your take on that? Well, no, I think you might be right, actually, but the whole Tim Peel situation, you have to understand, while the referees all stick together, and you see Brad Meyer, the other referee beside him, he took off after because he saw what was happening. <laughs> yeah. He's probably the, my least favorite referee I've ever had in 15 years, so I'm glad he left the picture. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he just took off. He's like, what I'm not is, involved. Is, I had to take a shot at him there. I've been waiting my, my opportunity. But, but what is he hiding here, really? Like, you're mic'd up, and there's no people in the stands. It's, it's quiet. Everything you say is going to project anyways. I just don't understand what he's saying that, that that's that bad. Like, if you're going to explain your call or lack of call, then stand by it. So I know everybody's very careful right now, and, and it's unfortunate with Tim Peel. I like Tim Peel. I've come across him a few times in my career. I've, I've had a drink with him before. He's a good guy. He just got caught saying something that he shouldn't have said. And, and I don't know, I'm trying to look at it from his perspective and spin it in with some contacts, like maybe... Like, I'm thinking maybe did he let a couple penalties go against Nashville and then he, he wanted to give them the first one because he already let two go. I, I don't know. Either way, it was wrong with what he said and what he did, and it's unfortunate that it ended that way. But is it really wrong? Like, you, you take us in there, okay? When you're on the bench and when that stuff's happening throughout the course of the game and you're getting screwed, are you, aren't those conversations happening either between the bench, the coach, the officials, or is that just simply kept between the officials, or is that a mirage that we all have thinking that we're on the on the inners like you were for so long no sam there's a lot of things that are said between the referees and the players and the coaches that if they were caught on camera there would be suspensions or <laughs> like be this guys kicked out <laughs> on on well right here this is cordial obviously camilleri is just trying to tell us how many goals he has right there he's like guys really really i got 35 goals already yeah sure you do cammy but uh i mean there's a lot of things that have been said, and but now we have to understand the landscape we're in and everything's caught on camera, and you, you got to be careful with your words, right? Like, I, I'd love to say what I really feel sometimes on, on camera, but you can't. you got to be careful. So <laughs> but the referees give it a are try. Not, uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a couple, couple more years, maybe. But like right here... Is that Brad Meyer? That was Brad Meyer. I hate that guy. <laughs> there we go. But isn't that part, like, isn't that give and take, though, good? Like, I know guys like you can get emotional. Some guys won't even talk to the refs because they know that they can't keep it in check. But isn't that give and take important to the flow of the game? It is. I think 
the best referees too, and I went to a referee summit in Toronto one year in the summer, and the best referees are the ones that have a pulse on the game. Aren't the guys that are robots that call the game at, and, and we had this right. conversation, there was like five general managers, five players, uh, owners, um, coaches, uh, referees and linesmen, and it was me and Spezza and, and I think Stamkos, and, and the referees asked, they said, we wanted our best referees to be able to have a pulse on the game and make the, some discretionary calls, not be robots. And those are the best ones. So that's kind of what Tim Peel was saying, you know, like the flow of that game, he felt maybe he needed to give the first penalty to Nashville because it was a feel thing. And sometimes you like that, sometimes you don't like that. But, you know, for, for the most part, I had, a, and these clips are just damning my reputation right now but i had a great yeah, relationship with the referees my first year in the league i was really hard on the officials kind of like what you see here and there was times where i get into fights and the linesmen would come in and i'd smack their hand off my jersey and i was really tough on on referees and linesmen and then uh, pat o'neill who's about to, to i think he just trained his 3000th game in the nhl he brought me aside. He pulled me into the trainer's room. He said, listen, you have to be better to these guys. These guys are going to be there your whole career. They're actually really good guys for the most part, and you just have to treat them better. So from that, on, from that time on, I really changed my approach. I treated the referees with respect. I remember the first thing I would say to each guy wouldn't be a negative thing. That's what I tell myself. It'd always uh -huh. be a, hey, how you doing? You know, right. how's your weekend going? And guys, I got away with murder the rest of my career. <laughs> like, murder. Yeah. Like, I would, I would ice the puck from like four feet from the red line and they're like, oh, Kev, we'll give you that one. And, and like, they come over to the bench and give me knuckles and Cam Fowler's sitting there in my first year and I'm like, what do you do to these guys? Like, why do they just <laughs> let you do whatever you want out there? I'm like, just be nice to them. That's a great story, though. I mean, to, to have that interaction with someone who's on the other side of the game. And, and, you know, I always harken back to my experience in baseball. And there's a lot of times where you have that catcher and home plate umpire relationship where they yeah. say, hey, guy walks away from the plate after, you know, a base hit and he missed a call on a 3-2 or whatever else. Hey, man, I missed it. Yeah. And they admit that back and forth. But obviously you'd never want to hear that because you're worried about the integrity of the game and the betting. The one thing I do wonder about, if we weren't on this big betting tip with where we are right now, would anyone have cared what happened there? Yeah, that's what Elliot said too. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. But, but of course, because we are, we have to show that there's integrity in the game and the integrity of the game has to do with the officials calling it the way it is. Yet everyone knows and all the games that were played last night, yeah. I guarantee those conversations were going on. Maybe some of them covered up. Yeah, well, that's, they were happening. I, I just think that's 2021. Like we have conversations in real life that if you ever put a microphone in front of someone, they wouldn't have them. And, and if you do have them, then people nitpick and they, and of course, if you're saying something idiotic, then yeah. Uh, all accountability to you. But I think there's like different conversations that happen in real life and in front of microphones. And that's kind of what we got a glimpse of with Tim Peel. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting Good or bad. to see. Good or bad. Right. I'm, I, li I like that so part. So at the end of the day, you, you said it's about money at the end of the day, right, Sam? Well, it's no about. kidding, right? It is. Yeah. That's it's what it comes down gambling. to. It's about. Yeah, that's a fair point. 100% it is. I, I don't think we're even having – this isn't even a conversation. Everyone's probably laughing and saying, oh, my gosh, you see what Tim Peel said? Right. Oh, it's pretty awesome. Well, that's why you got to you know, find why, a two-minute report. Have, why don't they have smart guys like you on Saturday night where I can't even argue with you because you make such good points. <laughs> that, you know, I got Elliot. Everything Elliot says I can argue with. <laughs> uh, before we let you go, I just want to ask you about that team in the lower mainland because I feel like if I read Canucks Twitter, I get dragged into it's over. And listen, they're two points back. But Montreal has six games in hand. It, it, 
it's not over, right? It's not over, but you just can't get too far behind in this shortened season. And they had a nice run on that road trip where they, they went out, they got seven of eight, but even the last game they lost to Montreal in overtime, you just could feel, even though it was only one point, it felt so bad because they just can't afford to give any points up. Like six games in hand there to Montreal. Guys, that could be 12 points right there, and they're yeah. down two already. So uh, they're, they're in for a tough haul. They have to run the table. I think they have to go, the math is they have to go about 75 80% uh, of, of the, their wins, and, and that's just not going to be realistic. It's like this schedule with the two, three-game sets. I'm a college guy who played NCAA. It's back-to-back games Friday, Saturday against the same team. It's very hard to win both those games. When you're playing the same team two, three times in a row, there's adjustments made. It's hard to beat them every single game. So I just cannot see the Canucks running the table and making it into the playoffs this year. Yeah, no doubt it's going to be tough. Uh, Kev, thanks uh, for joining us. We'll see what we can do about Saturday night with Friedman. <laughs> yeah, good seeing you guys. Good thanks. to see you. <laughs> right, there's Kevin Biaxa. And thanks to you. I love That's it. it. it was a, that hour flew by, man. To come back, I hope. I appreciate it. Make a cut. We'll get you back. Apparently, you just got hired on Hockey Night in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Won't need us. After the break, Raptors general manager Bobby Webster will join me. Why didn't the Raptors deal Lowry? Where does this team go now? Some of the questions we'll pose to the general manager of the Toronto Raptors next, right here on Tim and Friends. Thanks, Sammy. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. It is Friday then, and it ends a little earlier today. Final half hour of the week here on Tim and Friends. Kevin Millar coming up. I feel like I have to call him Kevin Millar because he played for the Red Sox. I won't do that for him because he's probably heard that a thousand times. But that's what I think of. I'm sorry. Uh, Jay's Phillies on the network, both radio and TV side of things. Plus, Raptors GM Bobby Webster in mere moments from now. But first, one NHL Canadian game in the North tonight. The struggling again Flames host the surging Jets. Again, you can see it regionally on Sportsnet West at 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain. With more on the situation in Calgary, let's head live to Ryan Leslie at the Saddle Dome. Ryan, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, uh, Tim. Thanks for having me. The Calgary Flames, as you mentioned, they're struggling. Uh, they uh, Offense is dried up. Uh, they've got just the two goals in the last three games, and and there's been a lot of questions about, do you break up uh, Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan? Well, Daryl's not buying that at this point. Daryl Sutter's going to actually bring Elias Lindholm back onto that top line. But uh, the reality is, it is a critical time. No matter what you might hear from the team, this is a critical time for this group. And three games against the Winnipeg Jets, Friday, Saturday, and Monday, you've got to make some hay. The Jets are surging, and the Flames desperately need to turn some things around. Uh, but they are going to go up against a Winnipeg club that uh, has arguably the third best line in all of hockey, uh, or at least in the North Division anyhow, And Mason Appleton. You've got Adam Lowry. Yeah. And, of course, Kopp. Andrew Kopp is coming off four goals. So there is a lot of firepower. One of the, you know, maybe the best team in the North Division. The Winnipeg Jets come into town. They've won a couple, as we mentioned. So this is a huge test at a critical time for the Calgary Flames, who trail Montreal by four points. The Habs also have three games in hand. So needless to say, she's a big one. Uh, She is. Uh, Let me ask you two quick Kachuk questions. One, will he play more today? 
Wasn't that interesting? You heard uh, Daryl Sutter say, uh, I think it was yesterday, where he said, I need to use him more and I need uh, and I need to play him more and I need to use him better, was yeah. the quote. So uh, you don't hear Daryl uh, admit that sort of thing too often. So I think you will see an increased role. He's playing alongside Andrew Mangiapane and Michael Backlund. Those three are very familiar in that 3M line role. So uh, we'll see. I think he will uh, play more and he knows he needs to be better. He admitted so yesterday as well. So look for that. All right, door number two. Uh, I didn't know that you were, uh, you were hip with the new blood and the collectible things like we are here on Tim and Friends, but apparently you unveiled a new NFT with your friend Matthew Kachuk here. You down with NFT? <laughs> yeah, you know me! Uh, I'm all about cryptocurrency, guys. If you know me, you know I have no idea what it's about. I won't <laughs> lie to you. But uh, you know what? He's out there, and he's he's creative, and uh, and innovative, and so I was pleased to be a part of it, brought myself up to speed on it, and his uh, launch happened last night, I think it was, so he's uh, he's out there, and for those people who are into this new trend that is uh, the collectibles and the NFT uh, on the sports side of things, well done, and he's, he's out ahead of it, so we'll see where it goes, but I know he's excited, and really the big thing for him is that uh, he has a chance with the proceeds on the bidding for this, uh, all of these uh, proceeds will go to the Alberta Children's Hospital here and uh, in St. Louis, the, the uh, Children's Hospital as well. So awesome. great cause as, uh, you know, this guy's pretty involved in the community too. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, appreciate it as always, Leslie. Be well. Fine haircut. Great to see you. There is uh, Ryan Leslie in Calgary before a big game for the Flames. Raptors host the Suns tonight in Tampa. You can see it on Sportsnet 1 with coverage beginning at 7 Eastern. Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood, who were acquired yesterday in the Norm Powell trade, are available to play tonight. The beauty of playing in Tampa. Trent Jr. met with the media just a few minutes ago and said he's excited to join a team with a proven track record of player development. You see the proof is in the pudding, you know, with, with Siakam. You see Fred's success. You see Kyle's success. You see all the players that came here and they left. The success that they had while they were here or left and went on to have, you know, success in their respective teams. So really just coming in, diving in head first, being a sponge, trying to learn as much as I can, you know, like I said, gel with everybody, uh, you know, get to it, lock in, get some wins, you know, and play the game of basketball how we all know how to do it. Gary Trent Jr. ahead of his first game with the Raptors. We are now joined by the man uh, who helped acquire that young man, Bobby Webster, general manager of the Toronto Raptors. Thanks for doing this, Bobby. Appreciate it. Tim, what's going on? Thanks for bringing me on. Of course. Uh, it sounded like a pretty crazy day. Comparatively speaking to other deadline days, how crazy was it? This was the craziest, I think, in our eight years. Um, the Gasol one comes to mind, but this one definitely, obviously, with Kyle and and Norman as well, it um, it was it was about as hectic as it gets. All right. So, what kind of sleep are we talking about? Like, say, last three days. Like, what are you working on right now? <laughs> we uh, we probably barely broke double digits. Right. Right. Understood. All right. So there is an insinuation. Uh, from some of the national media in the United States, uh, that the moves of Matt Thomas and Terrence Davis were were made to free up roster spots for the Kyle Lowry deal. How close was it? You know, it's a good point. Obviously, we 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 would you know we did those deals on their own, but um, with the timing of everything coming down yesterday, you know, there's there was a chance that that deal goes down. You know, at two fifty nine. Um, 
and you had to free up two roster spots. But I think on its own for Terrence and Matt, we wanted to put those two in, in great positions, and we thank them for uh, you know their year and a half service here. And, and um, but yeah, as far as the timing, it, it came down to the end there, and you know it's it's uh, it's one thing to be on the phone listening, but uh, I think to to go back and look at Twitter and, and all the rumors and here and there, and he was in Miami, he was in Philly, he was in LA. I mean, I can't imagine you know following that in real time. Do you talk with a player? I mean, this one is as unique as they come because of the respect between player and management. But did you talk with the player throughout the day? Like, is Kyle is Kyle Lowry left like us reading Twitter and all those things that you just mentioned? Or are you in constant contact with him? You know, he has his agent, so we're in contact with his agent. I think okay. um, out of respect um, – and and you don't want to ride the the highs and lows. So in that situation, I actually text Kyle in the morning. But you know, it was, it was a conveniently his birthday. Um, so yeah. there's a big birth a big birthday message, as we all know these days. Um, but I think more than anything, it's if something's going to happen, um, you know, we owe it to that player, and especially in the case of Kyle, to let them know first. And so I think that's always our approach, which is you know to try and, and ride the ups and downs. It would it would be impossible, and you'd be updating people every you know, every hour. Um, but once something does happen, um, you know, with the other team, you want to talk out of respect for, you know, players on both teams that, that they hear from the organization first and, and not find out on social media. Given the way it ended with DeMar DeRozan, did, did you and Masai take a different approach to how you would normally handle this? I don't know if it's in, in, in response to DeMar. I think as an organization, we want to be transparent. We want to be clear and communicative uh, you know, not only with our players, but with our coaching staff, with our, you know, medical staff, with, you know, our entire organization. So I think that's the approach that we take, which is, listen, these are the options in front of us. Um, obviously, you know, during a season, you have a lot more, you know, ways to communicate with the player. Um, but, you know, this is this obviously didn't start and end yesterday. This is something that uh, you knew was we knew was going to be a decision day for us when, you know, when we extended Kyle over a year ago. Um, so I think that's, you know, we had that benefit to prepare and talk and, you know, just line up, you know, the options so that everybody knew what was on the table. Understood. Bobby Webster, Raptors general manager, joining us here on Tim and Friends. So one of the things that I'm getting the most on my Twitter account right now is, well, are they going to re-sign Kyle Lowry now that he remains? Have you had negotiations with Kyle on an extension? I'm not going to get any fine money here. The uh, the NBA doesn't permit us to, to have those conversations until the summer. Um but we love Kyle. He loves being in Toronto. I think those are two huge hurdles. Um, but we also have options this summer, and we have a you know uh, you know a bunch of planned flexibility. Um, you know, going back to this summer and the deals that we made and the deals that we continue to make. So, um, yeah, we love Kyle. All right, we'll keep the fine money in the pocket. Apologize. Uh, how much of the last couple of weeks um, did did figure into what you guys were doing on deadline day like did the last couple weeks change your idea of what your deadline was going to look like there were times of course yeah you know you want to you want to change the whole thing up when you're you're on a losing streak um i was talking to a team the other day and they say you know we're on a three-game losing streak and it feels like three weeks i said well we're on a nine-game one so uh no i think there's a tendency to do that but when you sit back and have some perspective uh you know it's been a entirely tough year more you know 13 months now for everyone and so we didn't want to make decisions based on you know the COVID situation on the team I don't think it would be fair to us it wouldn't be a you know sound you know organizational decision I mean it's not fair to evaluate that group 
you know, uh, of players based on what was going on. So uh, I think there's a tendency to do it, but but no, it didn't really uh, affect affect our decision yesterday. One of the things I've talked about a lot on this show is uh, how do you evaluate this season period, given the fact that you guys had to go to Tampa? Like, is there alterations that you have to make on your own team based on all of the trials and tribulations that you guys have had to go through this year? Or is that part of being a pro? Like, it's it seems to me like a tough balance. It's a great question. I was just talking about this with someone here is, is you don't want to, but you can't say it's a lost season. You can't say, well, let's not take anything from the season because right life will go on and, and next season we'll say, we'll look back and we'll be like, Hey, this, you know, this was a development, you know, Chris Boucher played it, had an incredible season. So there will be things to take away from it. Um, and, and, you know, life may not just get back to normal right away. You know, some, some people and, and some teams and some chemistry, it will, you know, um, you know, invariably be altered. And so I think from that point of view, it's, it's a tough job, but it's, you know, we're in an incredibly privileged position to, to be working in professional sports. So it is our job to evaluate it. Norm was an interesting situation because he feels like uh, um, an early success story of the drafting and developing that you guys have been able to do, which is so valuable to the franchise, but it will price you out on some guys. Is there a bit of like, we're sad to see you go, but good for you, Norm? A hundred percent. And I, you know, I told this story earlier is, you know, we, we drafted Norm in the second round and, and we invited him to training camp. We invited him to summer league, not even training camp. And we said, uh, you know, kind of go prove yourself. And and now seven years later, what he's been able to accomplish is, you know, obviously a testament to him. And so we thank him for that and, and everything he's done. Um, but as you, as you've all, as you have all seen a number of times, uh, we have players grow up in the organization I wouldn't necessarily say that they price themselves out. Sometimes they do. Sometimes positionally, uh, you know, we need help. And, and we've been able to do that over the years. And, and hopefully more than anything, we put them all in positions to succeed, um, sign new contracts, um, obviously grow their careers. And, and it's always fun to, you know, once the dust settles, to, to see those players on the road and, and catch up with them and, and, how they're, and how they're doing in their life. What was it about Gary Trent Jr. that you guys liked? He's tough. He's a shot maker. He's 22 years old. Um, I think, you know, we felt like he has room to grow. Uh, Portland was a, a great situation for him, but, you know, he's playing behind two, you know, elite players. And so we thought, um, you know, bringing him in here, especially with our development program, both on and off the court, uh, we thought we could, you know, continue to, to see his rise. How much of, of the cap flexibility that you remain helped make that deal with Portland? Is that what is was that a big factor in getting Gary Kent Jr. or getting something back in the Norm Powell deal? We don't need to get too much into it, but yeah, you know the the ability to control, um, you know Gary's next contract. I think mattered for us, and and essentially it gives us some restricted rights, which allows us to match any deal that he goes. Um, whereas there was some inherent risk with with Norman, obviously that um, you know somebody comes with a, a crazy offer for him that. Uh, we really can't match. And so, uh, yeah, definitely part of it was the ability to, um, you know, direct that next deal a little bit more. Bobby Webster here on Tim and Friends. Uh, was there a thought once you realized that Kyle was staying with the team? Like, did you have time to add a big to help this year's team compete a little bit more? Yeah, so once, you know, throughout the day, whether he was, you know, ultimately we were going to decide to trade him or not, obviously one of the two options was he stays. And so how do we continue to improve the team? And so, you know, we had those ongoing discussions, 
you know, all last week. And we'll, you know, continue to have them on draft night and we'll continue to have them, you know, as we approach the bio market. So uh, always on our mind, um, you know, and part of just good planning for us. I talk a lot about culture on this show and you guys have built such a great culture uh, in Toronto with the team. And it's one of the most overused phrases in sports, yet one of the rarest things accomplished. And you guys have had a pretty good team culture for a while. Was that part of um, the ability to say no to a Kyle Lowry deal was that you knew that he was such a big part of this culture? Yes, it, it's 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 hard to measure Kyle Lowry in terms of draft picks or players, and um, you know I think you know sometimes that may get lost in in today's uh, professional sports landscape where you're trying to extract a huge return, and so um, you know for Kyle what he's done here and what he can continue to do here um, with the current squad and and that group who we've all seen you know, win at the highest level, um, stick together, have some incredible moments. I think it was, it's, it's also a belief in that group um, to move forward with him. Understood. I, I ran my analytics uh, three days, double digits. We're talking about like 3.33 hours a night. So uh, given the fact that that's the number, that's my analytics on this, I appreciate you giving us a little bit of time and try and get some sleep, my man. Appreciate seeing you and, and anytime. Thank you. All right. There is uh, general manager of the Toronto Raptors, Bobby Webster. And that last question um, is real interesting to me because that's a hard balance. There's a yin and a yang there that you definitely have to pay attention to. All right, time for one last break. Jays and Phillies are coming up on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Former Red Sox, former Blue Jay, current MLB Network analyst Kevin Millar joins me to wrap up the week next here on Tim and Friends. Tim and friends, just a couple minutes away from the weekend. Jays and Phillies from Dunedin coming your way on the Sportsnet family of channels, radio and TV. Uh, We've got you covered. About to catch up with, at least we hope, with Kevin Millar. And when I say the name, Jesse, do you not immediately go to 2004 and that Red Sox team that ends up winning the World Series? Pretty remarkable run, I'd say. Uh, without a doubt, and I believe that he joins us now. Uh, Kevin, are you there? Boys, you <laughs> uh. can you hear me. I got you. I got you. We had a little beeps, but we are good to go. How are you, man? I'm good, brother. How you doing? I'm good. I, you know, it's funny. I I brought up the 2004 World Series because I went to uh, Wikipedia because that's where I do all my great research. And the that's first right. <laughs> the first picture that pops up is Kevin Millar in a Blue Jays uniform. Uh, a good time, not a long time with the Jays. How was your time in Toronto? You know what? I feel bad for the fans because they got me at the back end of the career, and I'm going to tell you right now, I love me from Toronto. I really do. It's a great city. Uh, we had a fun team, Cito Gaston. Um, but I'm, I will say this. When you're in the East, they're all good, and it was a beast at the time we were there, but yeah. I, I really did truly love my time in Toronto. It's a great city. All right, let's talk about the current day Jays because there's a lot of hype uh, north of the border, Kevin, for what this team could be this year. Uh, how do you see the Jays working out in that in that East? Well, I'm going to tell you, I think George Springer is a wonderful addition. He's a great dude. I think guys are going to gravitate to him. He's going to make dudes around him better. And you got such a great young nucleus, 
you know, position player-wise, which is going to be very exciting. And I think that's the fun part about this whole thing is that, you know, you could turn somebody's baseball card over like a Nolan Arenado, and we were talking about him yesterday on the show, you know, the struggles that he's gone through in spring training. I'm like, that's practice. The young guys that the Jays have, when you're talking about the Bejos and the Bichettes and the Vlad Juniors, like, this is an exciting time because you don't know what their baseball card really looks like. And, you know, sometimes we will throw out superstar quick, but you've yeah. got some stars on our team, and it, it, it's going to be a fun, exciting team that really has nothing to lose but to go out there and try to win a game that night. Kevin Millar, the star of Intentional Talk on MLB Network and also the star of Fever Pitch, if you remember, uh, joining us here <laughs> on Tim and Friends. When you say great dude, like, so I, I remember back, and everyone knows what that 2004 team was made up of and what you guys had to overcome to win that World Series. Like, what can a good dude in the clubhouse do? You know, it's a great question. You know, when you got a great group of guys that break camp and that are believing the same thing, which is winning baseball games, we're in an era now where the brand, everybody wants to be branded and they all got, you know, stuff going, whether it's Instagram and Twitter. But when you break camp and you look guys in the eyeballs, and these are 25 men we're going north to, and you guys get along and eat together and basically win together, lose together, fight together, that's when it becomes special. So when I say a good dude, it's the dude that, you know, hey, we got a 12 o'clock lunch downstairs. We'll go eat, we'll come back, and then we'll head to the field at 2 o'clock on a road game. Uh, it's eating together. It's, it's, it's hanging out. It's getting to the clubhouse early. It's being around each other. You know, right now the devices kind of generate everything. You go to a clubhouse these days, they're staring at their iPhones. You know, everybody's staring at their, their laptops and stuff like that instead of, putting those in the locker let's go and that and that, that's what i mean by being a good dude like let's let's get better together and let's care about each other and then you know what you never know what happens in a long season how important is that over 162 it's a big deal yeah. because think about it baseball's a long season right 162 games you got 30 in spring training so it's almost 200 and let alone you go to the postseason but you're around each other a lot more than your family and so you got six months where you're showering together and traveling together it's a big deal to really care about each other because we don't have enough of that. And that's when you hear the word in chemistry. When you got a team that pulls together, usually wins together. Kevin Millard joining us here on Tim and Friends. So uh, a lot of spring you hear, you know, guys in the best shape of his life. There's a, there's a lot of cliches that get thrown about in spring training. Um, there's a lot of question marks around this Jays rotation going in. And Robbie Ray and Steven Matz have looked really good in spring. What does look really good in spring mean to you? Well, it means that, one, they're healthy, okay? So you start going, okay, our eyeballs, our eye test, how's the ball coming out? How do they look? Do they come in in shape? You know, everybody's coming in in great shape. They all have their personal trainers and their tails. How is going? I got it. <laughs> but baseball shape, are you in baseball shape? We got a long season ahead of us. So immediately you just start looking at how's the ball come out of their hand? How's the life on their fastball, their breaking ball, their cutter? And then you work on stuff, right, mechanically. You're going to work on different things that went wrong. And the, the adjustment, the game of adjustments in this game is what I love. Some players make them, some don't. But the ones that make them, and a guy like Steven Matz, where you have a lot of ability, but things haven't kind of all come together, there has to be an adjustment period because he's got the ability. Six foot five, left-hander, let's go see what happens. Let, you know, Played in a big market, but maybe change the scenery is nice. And so that's what you're looking for when you're talking about guys like Robbie Ray or Matz. And just how's the how's it coming out of their hand? How, how do you know, or do you know, if good spring translates? 
Well, you start with confidence, right? Everybody loves to get hit and, and, and not even in practice, right? Yeah. So if you're a hitter, you're out there hitting 400, so you, you, know, you, you have confidence. You're going in the year of confidence. Then there's the other side that guys that know their swing, they know where they're going to be. Like I said, you can flip their baseball card around and see they're going to have 30 home runs, 110 RBIs, they're going to hit 275. That's the end of the that, – that, that, that's the, the bottom line. It doesn't matter what they hit in spring training. But – we all want that confidence. We all, it's a failure sport, so we need to have some results. And I think having some good results just now this last week of spring training is pretty important going into the year just for your confidence. But once the, the opening night starts, everything starts off at zeros, and then you get a whole start, you know, right. new, new start of the season. Right. All right. I don't want to be completely Canadian-centric uh, having you on the show, so let me throw this out at you. Who's the one team that you look at this year and think they could surprise folks? I think the Washington Nationals. And I hear everybody's like, surprise? Well, because we've been talking a lot about the Padres, right? And deservingly so. they got some young talent. they got a lot of money over there in that infield, so it's going to be fun. The Dodgers are a powerhouse. But you look at the Nationals, just just kind of sneaky over there. No one's talking about them. They they signed John Lester for a $5 million deal to to be their four starter. Patrick Corbin, Strasburg, and, and, and Max Scherzer. Not too shabby, and I just think that yeah. they got a lot of a lot of position players that don't get a lot of credit. You know, like your Trey Turner, their shortstop, dynamic player. So we'll see how they go in that tough little East. Uh, it is a Canadian connection because it's the former Expos. Uh, appreciate you doing this, Kevin. Uh, thanks a lot for the time, man. It's a great debut. Hey, appreciate y'all. All right, there is uh, Kevin Millar, the star of Intentional Talk on uh, Major League Baseball Network. All right, that does it for us. What a week it has been. It has flown by. We bring up baseball because the Jays and the Phillies are coming up on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590 The Fan. On Sportsnet 360, we've got you covered. little hockey central. As for me, I will talk to you again on Monday. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us here this week. And before we go, kids, it's Friday then. It's Saturday, Sunday. It's Friday then, it's Saturday, Sunday, what? It's Friday then, it's Saturday, Sunday, what? It's Friday again. Jesse, am I being too rough? Hockey, worst nicknames in all of sports? Well, I don't know if they're the worst, but they're absolutely the laziest because they can't be more than two syllables. What do you mean, Rubesy? Exactly. What are you, Timmer? (laughs) Most of the time. Do you remember how many times we either fought on the air, off the air? Before UFC really blew up, you were about the leg kicks. You would kick kick me in the shins to keep me at bay, keep me at distance like you were frigging Kamara Usman, bro. How did that get up in my studio, by the way? Because I'm making myself at home, baby. And this is what I do, Canada. I just filibuster. I just steal the show. We have a lineup. We have things planned. It doesn't matter. You know who I don't want to be? Filibuster. Yeah, yeah. It's in politics and stuff. I used to be known as Sid, but go ahead. Wow. I think that's that's called uh, a hot take that quickly becomes cold take. Sorry, what are we here to talk about? The greatest raptor of all time pulled a Leonardo DiCaprio from the Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Allow me to separate my shoulder, patting myself on on the back. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend.